Welcome to episode number 27 of About Nashville with Mike Rogers. I am Mike Rogers. How you doing, everybody? You having a good morning, having a good afternoon, having a good evening, <clears throat> whatever it is for you? Uh, today's guest is Phyllis and Denise Bennett. Uh, this is an older interview. Uh, this is before we actually got White Castle on board, so... So I wasn't the best interviewer and, and uh, you know, the recording wasn't the best, but, you know, White Castle did the best he could with it, for sure. Um, Phyllis Bennett is the uh, CEO of Take Three Entertainment, and she has been the driving force behind several uh, careers in the country music industry, including Doug Stone. Uh, the interview, uh, it, you know, it was a little rough uh, and funny in points and... Uh, I love both these guys, uh, Phyllis and Denise Bennett. Uh, I've known them for years. Uh, they actually live in Georgia. Uh, I believe Noonan, 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 Georgia, something like that. I don't, I'm not sure. It's been it's in Georgia. Um, so it, it was it was a great conversation. I had I had a lot of fun with them. I, I haven't seen them in a long time, and it was it was fun to to reminisce and talk and uh, catch up and everything. Um, Hey, I want to remind everybody out there, <laughs> I am making my comedy debut uh, August 29th at Douglas Corner at 7 p.m. Uh, the location is 2106 8th Avenue South, Nashville, Tennessee, 37204, Douglas Corner, uh, August 29th, 7 p.m. Come out and see me with uh, Tim Northern and uh, Daryl White. Uh, there's actually a couple of other bands um, uh 615 and Hillbilly Hammer will be performing. Uh, but Daryl, but, but doing comedy will be me and Daryl D. White and Tim Northern. Uh, so it'll be a lot of fun. You know, the closer this thing gets, <laughs> I'm really starting to get scared. I'm, you know, I'm running these bits and I'm trying to work on this comedy. And I, man, this is rough. This is hard. Uh, you know, it, I, I don't can't tell whether what's rougher, getting hit in the face or trying to tell jokes. Or, or maybe I'll get hit in the face after I try to tell my jokes. I don't know, but this is crazy. Um, but anyway, so it's 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 been a fun experience. It's been a creative experience. Uh, whoo, making I'm nervous. Um, so anyway, I got to tell you, Holly. Uh, so <laughs> tell you something funny. So my my wife, there's a show called Fear the Walking Dead, and uh, it, it's kind of a prequel, if you will, to the TV show The Walking Dead. But it's only been out for a year or a season. I think the second season's about to come on. And it is a very well-oiled machine. It's it's kind of running on the same uh, premise of The Walking Dead. But yet they had a much larger budget. And, and um, you know, they kind of knew what they were doing after The Walking Dead. So it was a very well-told story. And, and, and um, so my wife, my wife was like, well, you know what? I, I think I want to start going back and watching The Walking Dead with you. I said, well, okay, I'll go back and watch the, you know, all the way from the first season on That's up. That's sexy. And, do what? That's sexy. What is? That she wants to walk, watch The Walking Dead with you. How sexy is that? Well, only because I, I really, I, the part that I left out was, <laughs> please watch The Walking Dead with me. Okay, okay, got So it. it's not as sexy as it sounds, but... Uh, so I, you know, I, 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 she wants to watch The Walking Dead, and, and we, so we went back to the first season of The Walking Dead, and there's like it's on. It, the next season will be the seventh season, so we have six seasons to catch up. Well, on the first season, we're watching this thing, and I mean, there are zombies that are picking up rocks, and they're they're busting out windows with rocks, and they're actually taking breaks and sitting in cars, and then they actually have personalities. And they're climbing <laughs> fences and ladders, and so and they get tired, and they're even taking off dead in dead runs, sprints. Oh, I mean, it's no. the craziest thing I've ever seen. So I made a joke on Twitter about this, and somebody commented back and they said uh you know the funny thing about twitter is you you throw something out there into the twitter world and it will answer you um oh, yeah yeah, yeah. And so it gets stuck and it gets stuck forever forever right. uh and, and I, I sent it out there and i said hey you know this is crazy you know i noticed that the first season was like this 
And um, somebody said, yeah. Uh, people were very upset with the way the director had zombies performing, so he got fired. And yeah. That sounds awesome, though. You have zombies taking breaks, and they're lazy, and I mean, this is not what we know zombies to be. Doesn't make sense. <laughs> not at all. I, you know, it, didn't, it didn't. I mean, knowing that the way, <laughs> knowing it, especially when my wife was like, Oh, this is terrible. I'm glad I didn't watch this, you know, from the beginning or I would have never stuck with it. Uh, I'm kind of glad she didn't either. But um, I, I love the show now and watching where the characters went and knowing how different it is than the comic book because I, I read the comic book. Um, yeah. Oh, no. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's 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 cool. I like it. Um, well, at least you have that comparison. What do you mean? At least the first season, you know, was not as good. So... Well, the storyline was good. Uh, it's just, and the acting was good. It's just that the the, the special effects and and the the cinematography were were terrible. It looked like somebody bought a GoPro and said, "Hey, act like <laughs> act like a zombie, and we're gonna we're gonna run around the streets of Georgia, and, you know? and we'll see where this takes us." And we're gonna see where this okay. takes us. And it obviously took them uh, very far because it's become a very very successful franchise, probably only second to uh, Game of Thrones. Wow. Uh, which you don't watch either. I don't, but you talk about it enough, and I'll start. Yeah, you, you I'll better. Start. You, you better. To I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start quizzing you on it. I smell like mustard. What? I smell like mustard. Why I do you smell like mustard? Mustard on myself, and all I can think about is I smell like mustard today. I have no sense of smell. It sucks. How would I know that? I have no sense of smell. Well, I'm glad None. you don't. What, what, what? So I spilled mustard on myself. Okay. I was rushing. And your point is? I smell like mustard. It was just in my head. You know, sometimes I have to say what comes to my head, except for today I can't cuss. The dad gum so mustard. I, I don't know. Cuss, can I say hey, shenane? Shenane? What? <laughs> yeah, it's like a bleep. No, Sh- we're no bleeping. Okay. <laughs> no shenane. No shenane. No bleeping. <laughs> shenane. You know, okay. goodness gracious, where, 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 what? This is ridiculous. I know. I know. Um. So anyway, yeah, I've got I've got her into watching The Walking Dead now, and and, and hopefully, uh, you know, this will be a fun experience. I, I got to get her to, to the seventh season quickly because I think it's coming on Sunday, and and uh, I don't think I'm going to be able to get through all these seasons with no. it. What do you mean, no? No. Are you taking off work? Nope. Is she? Nope. Well, how are you going to get through seven seasons? I don't know. Maybe maybe over the weekend. No, I'll be in Kansas City this weekend. I don't know. I, who knows? Oh, you'll figure it out. I'll figure it out for sure. What, what are, do you watch any TV shows? I don't watch a lot of TV. That's a dadgum lie. No, I honestly don't. You watch those housewife shows? No, I don't watch a lot of TV. And the reason being is because I have a small child. Mm-hmm. I'm not the type of parent that wants TV to raise my children. Mm-hmm. I've never been that type of parent, so I'm mm-hmm. really involved in their lives. So my son, he does a lot of recreational, you know, activities. You just flat out lied I'm to me. I'm not lying. Yeah, you are, because cause in, in another interview where we were, we were talking and we we're taking, taking, you know, I asked you if you'd I watch this particular show. I don't watch a lot. No, 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 no. You, I said, have you seen this particular show? You forget, you can't lie to me. Oh, my, so I, I asked you, I said, have you watched this particular show? And you said, no, I can't even get to the TV because my children take over the television set so i'm never even allowed to watch it okay i did not lie i don't watch tv my children they do when they are home you just sat there not, and said no they're spending time with me you're trying to sound no, like no 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 you're trying to sound my, captain my, parent but see this was before my son started school mm-hmm. now he started school he doesn't he doesn't even have time to watch tv how many tvs you got in the house two two just two i don't even have tv in my bedroom well I don't, they say don't ever put a tv in your bedroom well i don't have a man to compensate for that 
I'm not so, going there in this episode. <laughs> so my TV is my man. It's my man. <clears throat> so you, let me get this right. You have no man in your life. <laughs> no TV. <laughs> and you're not even watching TV. <laughs> no. And the TV is no. your man. No. That's exactly what no. you just said. You told me verbatim. Stop it. The TV Stop is my man. Everything. That's exactly what you, you said. analyze every stinking thing. Stop I, it. Well, I'm analytical. Why wouldn't Stop I? Stop it. Stop you it. You said TV is my man. Sometimes, depending on the day of the week and what's on. Okay. So what, what, when, what is on? <laughs> what, what, it, what, what do you gravitate I to? I don't watch television. See, see, you're not, you are so like hiding behind this I am not. wall. I don't watch television. I honestly don't. Mm-hmm. Very, very little. What, so what, what housewife show do you watch? When you watch it? I, the last housewife show that I watched I don't know. Atlanta, maybe? You're so full of crap. I you, really think so. No, I really think you're full of crap. <laughs> I really think you're totally Shanae full of crap. Nay. You 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 are you lying. No, I honestly don't I don't watch a lot of television. Okay. I really don't. Okay. So you don't know who Nene Leaks is? Of course. No, you of don't. Course. Who is she? She's on Atlanta Housewives. Everybody knows Nene. Uh-uh. She was on The Apprentice. No, I'm kidding. She was on. She both. was on that too. She was on. Yeah, she was on that. both. I yeah. think. I think Trump She's fired her. She's a lot of big things now, though. Like what? How can you blow up from a housewife? Uh, several of them have done. I, it. I know. I know. With 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 nothing. I mean, you have no skills. You have, but you build this character based on a reality show that's not even real. A lot of that stuff is scripted. I I, I and, need to be a housewife. You. I need to be a housewife. How in the heck are you going to be a housewife when you can't even find a man? <laughs> there you go, being analytical again. Well, no, I'm being realistic. <laughs> There's nothing analytical about that. This is realism. It is. It's like saying, I found one. I, I, I know what I need to be. I need to be a lawyer. I need to be a dadgum lawyer. I and don't I need one. to have a law degree? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> don't I need to get a man? <laughs> So you, if you're going to stay home, you need to get a man. I don't want to stay home yet. Not yet. So, Sooner or later. I, well, you know what? There's probably all women out there going like, well, she ain't got to stay home to be no housewife. That's right. I guarantee. That's right. Well, no, that would be a lie because the key word is wife. Well, a lot of these women on these reality shows are not actual housewives. They do other stuff. Well, then, then, then. Yeah, they're taking that term and using it kind of loosely. They are varying it, using it very loosely yeah. because if you're going to use the word, you know, you can be a stay-at-home mom. Right. And there's nothing wrong with that. Right. But you can't be a stay-at-home housewife and you don't have a husband. You know, homemaker is what they used when I was younger. My mother was a homemaker. A homemaker. Yes, that's the term that they used. I was like, what in the heck is a homemaker? She was a domestic engineer. Uh, yep. Yeah. What the that's, sounds really? better. Uh-huh, she was because it sounds better. And she ended up when we grew up. She ended up having a daycare. So, and now she she has a adopted children. So I have a huge extended family. And 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 All your mother. A I, I'm afraid to ask this question, but was your, was your so was your mother and father were they were they married and stayed together? <laughs> yes. Yes. Your entire life. Yeah. Yeah. So you had a, a, a mother and father in your household yeah. the entire life. Uh-huh. And, and uh, well then, then there's nothing. She was Where a housewife. No, she was a housewife. Okay. okay. I she, wasn't. she was about to ask about. Well, no, because you made it sound like you were trying to protect no, her no, identity no. No, by giving her a different name. No, that's just the name they used when I was a kid. 
Homemaker. Homemaker, yes. I'd never heard of that in my life. No, and she was a housewife. Exactly. She could have she been was. housewife of Tennessee. That I, We need a show. No, we don't. Yes, we do. It would be boring. It will not. My life? Y- your life is extremely boring. <laughs> I mean. I can, I can make it exciting. No, okay. I'm not even sure where this one's going because because you have no man. You don't watch on. You know I'm, I'm tearing you down. I can get all that. People are going to be like, no, you stop that, they, Mike. You being mean. You being mean. They now. Re- they rent husbands on those shows. Do what? They rent husbands. They rent men. Yep. Shanaynay. Who rents a man? <laughs> Name one. Name one of them that rents a man. Know. I don't watch it enough to know. I don't know. I'm just pulling this up out there. Can you more? Who do what? Kenya Moore on Atlanta Housewives. Rents her husband? All the time. Her boyfriends. She she gets them so they will potentially become a husband, but they never do. Never works. Ever. I don't um, Yeah. Okay. Well, anyway, um, let's get on to this interview with Phyllis Denise Bennett. Let's do this thing. Honky-tonk hit man. Welcome to About Nashville with your host, the honky-tonk hitman, Mike Rogers. Off in the woods. Oh, it's ridiculous out here. Scaredy cat. I'm scared. I mean, Michael, like, you're you're teasing. No, I'm not. This is I'm telling you. This is like how horror movies start off. You know, you, you go off into some deep, deep, dark wooded area, and I mean, there's no lights or anything, and there's like this road that just it just it was it was ridiculous. I mean, I, I was waiting for Jason Voorhees to come out and. No, I didn't get that. I got y'all answering the door going, come on in! I'm like, oh lord, where's the hockey mask? Yeah, it didn't happen. So, anyway, uh, we're here today with uh, Phyllis Bennett, Denise Bennett, in the woods, in the in the dark, scary-ass woods is where we are. Are you, reco- are you recording this? What? Well, well why, 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 what makes you think I wouldn't be recording this? Huh? Well, I didn't know this the way you were talking. You said the dark, scary-ass woods. <laughs> and I just got you to say the dark, scary-ass woods, too. So, anyway. This is a nice place. Let's look. All these houses around. Yes. Uh, there, when you get out of these dark, scary-ass woods, there are a lot of nice houses around, for sure. You're not supposed to be a, a scaredy cat. You, you're the uh, 
heavyweight champion golden gloves in your division, you're not supposed to be scared. So you don't even have the right weight division, so it wouldn't even matter. And by, by the way, if I have to tell a person in a horror movie, hey, by the way, man, I'm with a professional boxer, and he doesn't know it, it doesn't matter anyway, because I'm probably already dead. Right? Wrong. <laughs> Look, if you have to tell somebody you're famous, then you're probably not very famous. You can outrun them anytime. Mm, I don't know about all that. Oh, and horror movies you always pulled in. Yeah, right? And I'm like very clumsy, and I can just see my ass getting so scared, I'm going to run right into a tree. You're going to leave here tonight? I'd be like, ah! <laughs> and You're, you're going to do this, and the car's not going to crank. Oh. <laughs> you see, even when you laugh, that sounded scary. <laughs> <laughs> and when you go down and hit the road and, and you on that dark road before you get over to the other road, your, your car may stop on you, but you can always run back up here. Oh my gosh. Okay. I really, I, we need to quit talking about where we are. Somebody be like, I know where they're at. They're exact. They're, they're at. No, we need to stop. 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 All right, so let's talk about um, how you got into managing country music artists. How did that happen? Well, I lived in North Carolina at the time, and Liv Hatcher owned a club, and she picked up Randy Travis and started to uh, letting him play at her club, and they moved down to Nashville, and she got uh, Randy's deal. and. Uh, my family, uh, when I was growing up during the big band era, they had big band. It was eight of them in it, my family. And I always loved music, so I decided if she could do it, I could do it. I'd just go out and find me someone, and I would uh, get the tracks cut and uh, get them a record deal. So you knew Liv Hatcher before they actually came, came to Nashville? Right. I didn't know her personally, but uh, she had a club there. Okay. Like a country music nightclub there. Okay. And I had been to her club and I had heard Randy and yes, she was there, but I didn't personally know her. Gotcha, gotcha. See, I, I, for some reason or another, I thought that Lib and Randy met at the Palace in Nashville. No. Okay. See, that, I'm learning. I'm no, already actually, learning. Actually, and this is public knowledge. And you can't, wait a minute, Denise, you can't, you can't just shake your head. You have to say yes or no because our listening audience is going to be like, what? Huh? No, no, you gotta talk. Well, I'm talking. She's like, ah, okay. All right, here we go. If you will be quiet, I will talk. <laughs> God. Okay. All right. So, no, Liv had a club in Nashville, and Randy was in trouble all the time, and he was going to jail. And she went up and told him that he, she had give him a job, and if they would let her basically let her be in charge of him uh, that she would keep him under control and she did and then they came to Nashville and the rest is history after nine years they got a deal what was his his real last name Trawick 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 yeah Randy Trawick Randy yeah. Trawick and what, what, why did she try and change it to Travis because anybody know that I have no idea because didn't oh oh wait a minute when he put out his very first CD, like they like they recorded a bunch of songs or whatever else, they released it as Randy Ray, and then somehow 
they went from Randy Ray to Randy Travis. So obviously Randy Ray became the first show name and then it went from that to C. I don't know what that was, but that was a scary sound we just heard in the background. Some ghost. Did you hear it? I heard it. I heard it. And I heard it again. I'm fixing to take off. And I heard it again. This is going to be a quick and that's your that's your that's your sound equipment. No, it's not my equipment. Yeah, it is. No, it's not. But anyway, uh, you're scared. <laughs> the, first, the first thing that was released on him was on Independent, and they re-released that same song, and it went to number one. What was it? Uh, I told you so. I don't know. It's been a long time. <laughs> yeah. But um, anyway, so I decided I would get into the music business. I, I love music. So I went out and I looked for artists that I thought would be good enough that I could get them a record deal. How many did you... Did you... Well, I, I looked at a lot of them and they would either be couldn't sing good and look good or either did not have the look at all and they could sing so one of my friends called me from my hometown and told me when we went down that year for the Christmas holidays we always stayed two weeks at my mom's wanted me to go to the VFW that there was a band down there to go and it was really good okay so we went in and uh we, we always went out to these parties when we went down there and uh, during Christmas and I was sitting at the table and with every, all my friends and uh, the first guy that was in the band started singing and I thought well if that's him that's not it <laughs> and um, because he wasn't really he was okay but not that good but then the second set Doug started singing and when he started singing I knew that he had it oh wow and I went up, and uh, afterwards I talked to him, and I met with him the next day. My sister and I went out to his house, and I told him that I was looking for an artist to get a record deal for. What did he want to do? And he said he wanted to get a record deal. And he had mailed things to different record companies, but they always come back unopened. And I told him, I said, well, you think about it, and I will think about it, and during this time, we're thinking about it, you go out and try to get a record deal because I don't want you to ever say I took advantage of you. So I didn't go back for a year, but I went back. What year was that? It was um, 1987. Okay. And so when I went back uh, and we talked, he said, I can't do anything and I want you to manage me. So I said, okay. I went back to North Carolina, I called an attorney and sent him a contract. Once the contract was signed, uh, I got a, a producer and he had some people that would put some money behind him and that's the most important thing. If you go make it in the music industry, you have to have money to cut great tracks with a producer that knows what he's doing and possibly one that has a track record. Doug Johnson did not have a track record when I met him. He had produced the Burt Sisters, and but he had not had a lot of success at that time. So what made you decide to use Doug? Beg your pardon? What made you decide? You're talking about Doug Johnson? 
Doug Johnson. Yeah, what made you decide he's Doug Johnson then? What made me decide to go with him? Mm-hmm. I liked his productions. I got gotcha. you. Okay. I, I had known him for a long time, and um, my sister knew his family down in Savannah, and uh, I liked his productions. And he was at that time was working at Lowry Studio as an engineer, and I happen would go by and see him periodically. So when we cut Doug's tracks, got everything together, and cut Doug's tracks, three songs. I see you in a different light. These lips don't know how to say goodbye. And um, we always agree on love. So when we cut those tracks, uh, he went in and played it for Bob Montgomery. And Bob Montgomery right then said, you have a deal. Wow. Wow. He just walked in, played his guitar, sang the songs. Doug, Doug Johnson took the tracks over to Bob Montgomery. Oh, okay. That okay. And uh, Bob Montgomery loved Doug's voice. And Bob is, was a icon in the business. He had produced uh, so many people. George Jones, he'd done tracks on Merrill Haggard. He'd done tracks on so many people and uh, had a lot of success, a great writer. Had a lot of hit songs that he wrote, and uh, he loved Doug because Doug was basically the same type of artist that he had been producing for years. Oh, wow. So, anyway, Bob passed away about a year ago, a year or two ago, and he was a great guy, always really a gentleman and a great guy to work with. So, literally, so it only took you like a couple of weeks, a few weeks after you got the sides cut to go get the record deal? Beg your pardon? It, it only took you a few weeks to go get the record deal? Yes. How old was Doug Brooks at the time? Um, well, that was in 88 when we got the deal. We actually, we once the tracks were mastered, we had a deal in two weeks. Whoa! Whoa! So y'all literally, you just, so how long, okay, so how long did it take you to find all the songs and go in and, and cut the tracks and master them and all that? How did how long did that process okay, take? Um, let me think a minute. That's been a lot of years. Um, we, uh, huh? I said, let me think just a minute. Uh, we got in July, we met. Doug came back to Nashville, Doug Johnson, and he started sending us songs to listen to. And once we picked the songs, we went in the studio. So we went in the studio in August and September and got everything, the tracks laid and the vocals done and everything, and everything master mixed. And it was in October when everything was completed and he played the tracks for Bob Montgomery. So. Two weeks after the tracks were master mixed, we had a deal. Wow. Wow. Uh, when? Okay, so how old was Doug Stone, Doug Brooks at the time? At that time? Um, well, that was 86. And um, he was born in 56, so. Okay. 30. 30? 31. 31, okay. Um, uh, when, who decided that about the Doug changing his name from Doug Brooks to Doug Stone? Well, we uh, went over to the uh, record label and we had a meeting, and Garth Brooks had just come out. 
and we discussed at that time changing Doug's name. Mm-hmm. Was this the '89? Yeah. Okay. And um, so they, at that time, they didn't think that it would be that we would need to change Doug's name. So after Gar started hitting so hard, then Bob Montgomery decided that maybe we needed to change his name. Oh wow! So. And Bob said, I had been looking at his jaw, and it looks kind of like stone, like, you know, like the way his shape, face is shaped and everything. So he said, what do you think about Doug Stone? And I said, well, I don't know. I'll call him and ask him. Did he just jump on it? Huh? Did he just jump on it immediately? Sure, we'll call me Doug Stone. Well, uh, everything was okay, so, you know. It, and uh, we went on from there. Oh wow! So okay, so you you got the, how long did it take from that point to find the rest of the songs that went on the record, and then go on a radio tour and all of that? How how, how long did that all that break? Well, how did you find Better Off in a Pine Box? Uh, actually, Bob Montgomery had that song. Okay. And he intended to cut it on George Jones. Ooh. He was producing George Jones at that time. Okay. But it didn't work out. And um, so he let Doug have the song Pine Box. Oh, wow. He got lucky. Yeah. Because that is a smash. That is a career song. That is a career song, for sure. I'll never forget the first time I ever heard that song. It was actually live. I was telling you this story. Um, I hadn't heard it on the radio yet, and you guys had come to Little Rock, and uh, he was playing at some outdoor festival, and he he you know he did a few other songs, and I really I wasn't you know he didn't catch my attention yet, and then all of a sudden he broke off into Pine Box, and that first line you know that, that opens the song, and I was like my head kind of cocked a minute, and I was like okay that's, that's well the intro song. if you notice the intro is what gets you on that song when it starts oh yeah once you hear that intro you never forget it oh yeah yeah I agree it is a smash song for sure so when you got that song did you know that it was immediately going to be the opening single yeah I felt like it would okay did, did, who made that call was that Bob that made that call Big friend. was it Bob that made that call or was it you know, who, who no, actually, uh, actually, you know, when uh, the label, all of the people would meet that was, you know, like the President Roy and marketing and publicity and everybody, and they listened to the whole album, and so after the whole album was played, every one of them agreed on that Pine Box should be the release, that it was a smash, it was a career song. And it was nominated for a Grammy. How high did it go on the charts? It, it was. It went to uh, number five on the first release. Oh wow! Um, how many songs charted off that record? Off the first record, how many? How many songs charted? All, all four. And what was the highest one? I see you in a different light. Number one. Oh wow! Was it the only one that went number one off that that record? Was it the only number one off the record? Yes, but every one of the rest of them went number two, number three, number four, and number one. Gotcha. So he came out of the shoot fast and fast and furious. Right. Oh wow. 
Um, so when, when did you know, hey, we might have something special here? Because, you know, there's a lot of people that come to town. There's a lot of people that get record deals. There's a lot of people that even have success right out of their shoe. When did you know we might have something, you know, really special here? When he was nominated for Grammy on the first release. Really? That, so that at that particular point, you're like, this is it. We, right. we, we, might, we might really have something special. And also... Um, Doug was the first artist in 25 years on a first release that charted in the top five. Really? Hmm. Um, wow. So, uh, did he ever write or anything, or did he just choose his songs? His no, song? he had some songs on albums that he co-wrote with. Okay. Did they, were ever, any of them, were, were they ever released as singles? Yeah, there was some released, you know. Okay, uh, I wasn't sure about that one. A lot of a lot of singers today, they're either singers or the writers. Uh, but you know, rarely. I don't know. It's just like uh, there's a few of them out there. Um, you know, it doesn't matter. There's no point in naming names. But you know, they they pick all their songs and they don't write any of them. And then there's some that won't choose any songs unless they either write or co-write them. Um, you know, there's not really any that I can think of right off the top of my head that does a little happy medium, I guess. If you well, will. Addicted to a Dollar, Doug wrote on that song, and it went number one. Oh, wow. I bet that was cool for him. Did he ever have a platinum record, or were they all yeah, gold? He, yeah, he had platinum. Okay. Man. Had a gold tooth once, but I... <laughs> Dang! Gotta make a joke somewhere. Um, uh, so... When did you start getting him movies? When did that start coming out? When did that start coming into play? How, how many records did he have out before you started trying to get him into that, to movies? I say, um, I believe he did four albums, and the fifth album was the soundtrack for the movie. Okay. It was either the fourth or the fifth album, but um, that was the soundtrack for the movie Gordy. Mm-hmm. And um, I um, called a friend of mine at BMI and uh, Joyce Rice, and uh, I told her if anyone was coming to town that wanted to do a country movie, that uh, I was interested in talking to them about Duck being in the movie. Oh, and that's how it started? And so, in about a month, she called me and she said, uh, a lady that is producing a movie wants a country music star to be in it that can act and can sing. And she said, I told her that I thought I had the one that she would want. So, when she came to town in about a week, we went over and set up and Doug sang live for her and met her and everything. And when we left the office, she told Joyce, you're right, that's the one I want right there. Did he have to read or anything? Yeah, well, he sang, and uh, she talked to him, and that was it. No reading for the part or anything? No, no testing of a script or anything. Were you there when it happened? No, I didn't go over that meeting. Okay. Oh, wow. I can't believe they didn't have him do a screen test or something. That's crazy. No, they, I mean, they could have got out there and hit him in the uh, 
You want me to sing for you? <laughs> she said he sang for her live. No, no, no. I know, I know. But acting and singing are so two completely different. And he did great at both in the movie. But without her seeing a screen test or without her seeing him do a cold read or something, she took a huge gamble by putting his name on that movie without ever having seen that. Because he could have got out there and gone, you know, sang great. And then when it went into the acting part, just froze up completely and been like, I, my name is Bob, and we need we got a pig. Well, I <laughs> I, I put together uh, a portfolio and sent to her. I sent her the electric press kit that I had, uh-huh. the EPK, all his videos and and different interviews that he did, and so she had that and she could see that he could handle it. So that's pretty good. That's, that's, I, it's, I think it's awesome that you were able to do that, but I also think that, that dynamite, there was like lightning in a bottle, if you will, because that could have gone bad so many different ways. <laughs> so you really, you're like, I'm going to put it all on black, and it, can, and it landed, for sure, for sure. Nobody's laughing. Like Everybody's just like, I'm, I'm going to be quiet here. I'm not going to say a thing. So tell me about some of your experiences, Denise, like like fanfare. Back then it was called fanfare. Yes, back then it was called fanfare. And you, would, wouldn't you set up all the, the, the Dugs? We, we brought in a whole team every year, uh-huh. came in and worked the fanfare booth, mm-hmm. interacted with the fans, mm-hmm. helped coordinate all the fanfare events for the week, mm-hmm. the fan club events. Okay. What year did you, what year did you get involved with all that? Oh, from the very first year. Okay. We brought them in and we, it was people that we knew because when people, our feeling was when people save their money, put their money aside and they come for a special event like Fanfare, which is now CMA Music Festival, that they deserve to be treated special because they are special. Mm -hmm. They are allowing you to live your dream by supporting your work. Right. Absolutely. So we always tried to make it as good as we could for all the fans who would come in and make them feel special because they were very special. So what were some of the things that y'all would do? Uh, we would have uh, the breakfast or we would have lunch. We would charter out the entire General Jackson, do a catered meal and a trip down the river and back. Doug would do a little mini concert. Mm-hmm. We would be out at the fairgrounds and mother had worked with Lynn Baker and we designed booths that our booth was the only booth that won first prize so you for years so you, you you personally dealt with all the fans and the groupies yes. and all the the things that you'd see coming yes. through the, the, we, the we, pipe we were we made sure that the booth was staffed with people that would talk to the fans interact with the fans make sure they had a good time we would walk up down the lines and talk with them while they were waiting for him to arrive to do autographs. Just make sure they had a good time. What was the craziest fan experience you saw? I'm not so sure it was crazy fan experiences, but it was just very touching how much they truly loved Doug mm-hmm. and how much his music meant to them. Oh, wow. Like, so do you have an example of, of that or a story or anything? All right. Well, this is okay i'll probably have to cut that out and then then like bring it back together (laughs) you can't be using hand motions and things like that and we're in and this is like a casual uh conversation and when you do that the 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 audience out there they're going to be like 
well, there's no video, so it's like a lull, if you will. And then we're like, what the hell is It's going not on? a lull if you change the subject and move on. Oh, whatever. I guess I could do that. Now, see there? That was good. That was that was interesting listening. And I'd be like, see, she told his ass. And she just said it wouldn't be a damn lull if you just keep on keeping on. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, all right. Um, uh, uh. When did he have his first heart attack? First heart attack. Because I remember that was a big thing. I'm trying to remember the year. 1992. Um, oh, wow. That early? Was that in Georgia? No. What, what was that? Was that what, did it, wasn't there a plane involved or something? No. 1990, he was in uh, Iowa. Okay. They were in Iowa doing a show, and he got dizzy, and so the road manager called me, and I told him to take him to the nearest hospital, but he did, he wouldn't do get on a plane and come home, so we met him in Nashville, and took him to the hospital, and real soon, like the next day, he had a quadruple bypass. Oh, damn! Oh my gosh. Yeah. How long did it take him to recover from that? Well, it took a, a month or so, you know, to, for him to recover. And uh, in fact, he had the bypass. And then after fanfare, that week, the next week was when he was going back out on the road and go to California. And. Uh, course I was real concerned about it, him so I went with him to California and stayed out there with him you know while he was performing out there. Were you like were you, did you like nurse made him back to health and did you like nurse made him back to health and, and you know yeah. you were there? Me and uh, me and the publicity agent went with him and of course Elliot Kozak was in LA and he was also our uh, publicity agent out there so he was with us the whole time out there did you spend much time with him out on the road denise for special events when we would do like um when they had a lot of flooding in texas Mm -hmm. and we went out and did a big charity show for them see i remember in 1994 and i'm gonna date this whole thing way back (laughs) but i remember 1994 that was the very first time i'd met you fella and um, there was a couple of different things that we did. We kind of got to know each other on the ride, if you will, to uh, Merle Haggard. I rode with you, and we were going to see Merle Haggard. I can't remember where we were going. Were you, did you go to that? No, y'all didn't take me to see Merle, and I never forgave you. Oh, man. <laughs> so, I wasn't in time. So where, where did we well, go? Where? Well, we were in... We were in Nashville, and she was in Georgia. Okay. I was at, I wasn't in town. Okay, okay. So where 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 did we go see? Well, we went down to uh, Huntsville, Alabama, I believe, and Sharon and Elliot Kozak was with us. Do you remember? He Elliot was in town. Okay. He went with us. All right. And it was in this big club, standing room only. Remember? Yes, yes. Yeah. And as we were walking across there, this drunk fell all over me and you picked him up and threw him across the room. <laughs> <laughs> and it sounds like me. That sounds like me. 
Um, yeah, I, I, back in the, my older days, I would do mean things like that. Well, I, I wouldn't say that that was mean, but but anyway, um, I, I digress. Um, so that was one of the first things. And then the next thing that I remember is that you and me and somebody else, we went to watch him play at a smaller club in Nashville. And then after it was over, the three of us went to Waffle House. I don't know if you remember this. Yeah, I do. And and he was a character. He was I I mean he was like making jokes and and you know getting up and singing to people and and just like, you know, he was a ham and I was just real quiet and real reserved and watching everything cuz you're the manager and I was like, okay, he's the star and I got so this is how I need to act. <laughs> like, well, maybe maybe this is not how I need to act, but but I just remember watching the the entire dynamic going, this is very interesting because I I, I myself, personally, am an introvert. I'm not. I'm not an extrovert by any stretch of the imagination. But I use extroverted skills to do what I need to do. Naturally, my natural instinct is just to mind my own business and stay in my own hole and leave everything else alone. He is, and he was just absolutely the most extroverted person I've ever seen. He didn't meet a he didn't meet anybody that was a stranger, and he wanted to get up and talk to everybody and let everybody know he was there. And that, hey, hey, I'm Doug Stone, by the way. I'm, I'm here. This is Waffle House, and I might buy it. <laughs> he listen. He loved the Waffle House. Uh, who, doesn't? The who, doesn't? House who doesn't love the Waffle House? Don't you love the Waffle House? I love the Waffle House food. What's your favorite thing in the Waffle House? Um, cheese omelet. Really? Mm-hmm. What's your favorite thing in the Waffle House? Ham and cheese omelet. I, I, I like that scat, scattered, covered, scattered, smothered, covered, got everything in it but the kitchen sink. I love that stuff. We can leave here right now and go get you an order. No, we can't. No, we can't. Cause I can't eat. I know I can't eat like that anymore. I used to. I used to be yeah, able to. When, eat. when you're a young guy, you yeah, can do that. Yeah. When you're when you're super young, you can eat anything like that. But when you start getting older, it's like nah. nah. So you can't eat that now. No. Well, my, mainly because of the spicy stuff that's in it, like the onions and the jalapenos and all that. I used to put hot sauce on my eggs. Um, just I remember those. that. Yeah. Yeah. And I and I I can't even do that anymore. Like, I can just look at hot sauce now and get heartburn. <laughs> so I was like, nope, I don't do that. Well, Michael, you remember the time when we, you and Kathy and I lived together, you ate noodles and noodles every day. Have you seen the bad stuff about that? You're not supposed to eat them? You talking about ramen noodles? Yep, yep. I, there's no telling. I probably, like, half my leg is probably part of ramen noodle. You know, I probably, I bet if I put it in water, it'd probably dissolve. You know, I don't know. Who knows? So, yes, I used to eat a lot of ramen noodles. And I could, I, let me tell you something. I, I mastered making ramen noodles. I could put a little bit of hot sauce in them. I could put a little bit, a little bit of tuna fish, drop an egg off in it. Whatever you wanted to do, I could turn ramen noodles into a gourmet meal. Uh, now I wouldn't even, I haven't eaten ramen noodles in probably 20 years, 15 years. But now, do you cook now? Does your wife do all the cooking? Um, here's the funny thing. My wife does most of the cooking, but I'm the better cook. 
boy, that got really quiet. Yeah, we're all waiting for you to cook, man. So, so. Do you cook noodles still? No, I don't. No, not that kind of stuff. So, what do you cook now? I can cook anything you need, anything you want. I'm I'm a really good cook. Um, If you ask my wife uh, who's the better cook between the two of us, she would quickly tell you me. Um, But she she does the most most of the cooking though. So. Um, but I mean, she doesn't cook bad. I mean, I guess that kind of sounds like she cooks bad. She doesn't cook bad. She's a good cook. I'm just a creative cook, you know, and I think that comes from being poor. You know, when you grow up poor, um, you, you find creative ways to make the most boring things that you're eating taste good. So, uh, once I was able to afford decent things, I was just able to make them taste better. You didn't have to put hot sauce on there anymore. That's right, exactly. I found other... You didn't have to cover up those Raymond noodles. Bingo, bingo. I found other creative ways to make the food taste better. Um, Like like with with steaks. I find that with steaks, um, if you put a little bit of time and preparation into making your steaks, they're, they're, they're that much better. I mean, you can, I, I will take them and I'll cut them little, little strips open of the steak and I'll put some garlic cloves inside of them and then I'll let them marinate uh, in wine or in Worcestershire or whatever else for, for hours. And then they'll be so tender, and, uh, as, my, as my grandpa would say, that, that's tender as a horse heart. I'm telling you, it's, it's fantastic. And then you take them out and then you grill them and then you go, it's just incredible. Anyway, I don't know. We just we turned into Chef Wrd or you know. Well, what's the price of steaks in Nashville now? I have no earthly idea. I'd have to have my, ask my wife. I, I'm I don't know. My wife is the captain of our ship, so literally, you know, I would have to ask her all those like, how much are we paying for that steak? I, God, I don't know. Couldn't tell you. Dollar ninety nine a pound. Or More something? like seven ninety nine. A pound? Are you serious? Unless you get them on sale. Dang. See? I have no earthly idea. I'm just completely clueless. Me neither. My husband don't like me to go to the store. He does the shopping. See? See? I, I buy stuff he is not authorized and don't have a coupon for. And... See? That's, I'm... So Audi don't like for you to do the shopping? Oh, no, because I buy stuff that I do not have a coupon for. Oh, and, he, and he's a coupon dude? So is he? is he one of those people that can, like, go into a... Uh, a grocery store and then like gets like six grocery bags full of crap and then they end up giving him money? Uh, almost. Oh my gosh. I see those people on TV all the time. My wife watches these things where people will like, they'll have four baskets full of stuff. Yeah. And, and, and then at the end of it, they're like, you don't owe us anything. We owe you twelve ninety five. I'm like, what? How did that work? <laughs> How did they just do that? What? How? What? What? And then they get back to the house and they bought thirty seven things of toilet paper, twenty two things of, of of you know hand towels, and twenty six things of lotion. And then they put them, they stockpile them. They say it's the craziest thing I've ever seen. I don't know what I would ever do with twenty six things of hand lotion or twenty two things of whatever. But well, when I lived in North Carolina, one of my good friends that lived in the same subdivision, her husband was a salesman for one of the leading uh, frozen food companies. Mm-hmm. And all his friends worked for the other companies. So all these people have coupons. So we would always wind up and have a ton of coupons. And then we'd cut them out of everything that we saw. 
and they had a van and it was one big discount grocery store in Charlotte and about once a month we'd go up there and we would have let's see one time that I remember I got over three hundred dollars worth of groceries and I didn't pay but two dollars for it. Whoa! Whoa! Yeah and she did the same thing and, and then in those days you know my husband smoked and the cigarette salesman would give him coupons and he'd give them food coupons so I would have coupons to buy a carton of cigarettes and get a carton free. Would you ever do, could you do that again? Can I do it again? Uh-huh. Oh, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if that grocery store is still open. Uh, Trent has retired, so, you know. I just don't think I would have the patience to do all that. No, just give me mine, let me go home. Yeah, exactly, right? I'm like, I, first of all, the, the mistakes that I make when I go grocery shopping is I go hungry. Yes, and you buy the whole store. Damn right. I'm like, I want what I'll take three of these. I need two packs of hot dogs and um give me some uh lunch meat and some donuts. And an apple pie. And apple pie. <laughs> I'm like, we don't need all that shit. Yeah, well No, I, I still did coupons myself. Me, Audi and I when I took the uh Sunday paper, I would say I would cut out and save him all his coupons that I knew he wanted. And then I get all the coupons from Kroger in the mail. So when I go grocery shopping, I still have coupons, but not to the extent that I told you to. Gotcha, gotcha. So you just basically are a pampered uh, at your house, and Audie's just like, forget it, don't you worry about this, I'm gonna take care of all of it, you don't, you know. He buys the groceries because I won't buy what he wants. He's a junk food junkie. A junk food junkie. What? So what? What do you consider junk food? Little Debbie's, miniature candy bars, ice cream, See, I cookies. Don't eat that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. Well, he's a junk food junkie. Yeah. I don't eat that kind of stuff. I wouldn't buy nearly enough little Debbie's and cookies and ice cream and candy bars to suit him. <sighs> okay. Well, that makes sense. That makes sense. And you enough. see, I'm at like a volume buyer. When they had the big sales, like the uh, pork tenderloin. 169. Do we need to like detour back to like the management business room? <laughs> 169. I, they're using 3.99, and I would buy four of them and have them cutting and roasting different things. Now back to the entertainment. Ladies and gentlemen, we had a break. You might want to edit this. The Costco. No, this doesn't get edited. This goes in. She's the Costco queen. All right. Do you, do we had we had a break to talk about coupons and groceries. Now back to entertainment. Do you do you do you go to Costco? We don't have a Costco in unit. <laughs> <laughs> do you have a? <laughs> no, we have BJ's and Sam's. We don't have Costco. But you do have a Sam's. We have BJ's and Sam's. B- BJ's. BJ's warehouse. <laughs> but I don't go to BJ's anymore. <laughs> That sounds like a damn honky tonk. <laughs> We're going to BJ's honky tonk. We're gonna go get us some bread and milk. Are you mind that? All right. Oh my gosh. We have uh, we have Ollie's. Ollie's. Ollie. O l l i e. Ollie's warehouse. Ollie's warehouse. Mm-hmm. Like, is that like Muhammad Ollie's? Ollie. Oh oh. <laughs> Not an A. Oh Ollie. And they have bread out there that's usually four dollars a loaf, but you can get it when they bring it. 
When they bring it in, you can get it for a dollar a loaf, and I stock up and put it in the freezer. <laughs> okay. Ooh. Yeah, you may want to edit this. <laughs> no, this, isn't, this is going in. This is staying in the show. Okay. <clears throat> so we'll get. We're gonna get back to. Okay, back. back to the entertainment. Back, back. I think you were the. Ladies and gentlemen, this was in. Uh, this was a break by Costco's and Ollie's Warehouse. Um, and no, they are not the sponsors for the show. Uh, so anyway, we're back. We're back to you man- managing Doug Stone. Um, have you? Did you manage anybody else uh, that had any success or or anything like that? Well, I had none that got on the charts because the people that I managed and was getting deals for something always happened. Gotcha. And, uh, like one guy, I did. I had him a record deal, and the album was already cut, and it was a great album. And one of the best uh, record label heads in Nashville gave me a deal on him. But in the meantime, from cutting the album until I got the deal a few weeks later, he found out that his wife was cheating on him and he went berserk and got on drugs and everything and he wouldn't even go come into Nashville and meet with him. See, he could have written a whole record about Yes, a grand that could have come out of that. I'm course. telling you, he could have he could have jumped into a, to songwriting and absolutely nailed some hits with that one. Right. I mean, golly. Oh well. Uh, sound, sound. Dan, do you want some more stories on artists? Sure, give me some more stories on artists. Okay. Then uh, the one that, uh, after he wouldn't show up for the record label head, we were putting this other artist on the tracks. And he could sing as almost as well good as Mark. And um, people that was involved with him... Uh, she said his name... <laughs> Well, the, the, we're, we're not talking, but that was another person. Oh, okay, Th- okay. This is not Mark that we're talking about. Oh, okay, okay. Okay. But anyway, uh, people that was involved with him came out to a show that I went to one night, and the brother that sent the tracks to the producer said to me, when are you going to get the artists on the road? Because I'm supposed to get some money out of this. And I said, what do you mean? And he said... Well, I'm supposed to have 10% of what this guy makes for the life of his career. And I said, no, you're not. If you were promised a founder's fee, you get a founder's fee, but you don't have 10% for the career of whole career of the kid's career. And uh, so after then... People, they don't make deals like that, do they? There's no, no. such thing as 10% for life. No. So after then, they went to the kid and got all kind of stuff in his head, and I got a letter from him that he wanted to be released, but I, I wouldn't release him because I wanted us all to sit down and discuss everything in front of him. Mm-hmm. They didn't want him to meet with me, and they didn't want to meet with me, so the kid didn't get a deal. And Golly. Oh, my goodness. Then another guy that I managed one time, he forgot that he had a signed a management contract with someone and that blew that <laughs> he must have been an asshole is all i got to I'm say i'm telling you that guy mm. from i'm what? telling you that guy was as goofy 
I'm glad we don't have to put up with him anymore. Well, I mean, he couldn't sing worth a shit anyway. He couldn't write any country songs. He couldn't sing. Now, how, how do you know that about that guy? <laughs> somebody, somebody said that he hooked up with a groupie, and uh, you know, and he got lost out there in the shuffle. So got I don't derailed, know. huh? Yeah, he got derailed. But that happens to a lot of young innocent men who come to Nashville. I'm telling you, but you know, but uh, we do have the one that we were working with that was a great performer. And then when he went in the studio, he couldn't sing. It, it, it you couldn't capture his voice on tape. Really. What? It was the craziest thing you've ever seen. He was a great performer, did a great live show. Went in the studio with him, and it was like see, oh, he was all smoke and mirrors. No, no, it's just. Listen. Now I will say this. I will say this. Uh, there's three. There's actually three different ways that you sing. There's three different types of ways that you sing. There is how you perform live. There is the studio, the way that you perform in the studio, okay? And there is also the the, the way that you perform acoustically. I mean, those, I, I don't know, man, I think I just made that last one up, but it doesn't matter. The point being is what you do live and how you translate that into the studio, it's, it is two different animals that take time to learn how to do. Well, this this is what was uh, so sad because this young man was one of the finest young men you'd ever want to meet anywhere. I mean, he owned his own construction company. He was absolutely a great kid. See him live, he had one of the best performances and one of the best vocals live. Mm -hmm. And then when they got him in the studio, and I had bragged on how he could sing, and I was in my office, and the phone rang, and the person in the studio said, Phyllis, get down here quick. We don't know what's wrong, but the sky can't sing. Oh, my gosh. So how did that end? No deal. <laughs> he um, couldn't sing in the studio. Listen, he had a deal. Mm-hmm. If we got them tracks cut, he had a deal, because the person that was got me to manage him that was backing him was one of the most powerful men in the music industry. Wow. Wow. And he did have a great live show. It sounded great live. But when you put him in the studio, it just all went flat. You know, and that's weird. I will say this. That's weird because it's usually the other way around. Yeah. Usually you're... uh, Usually you can get them really good in the studio and then you put them live and they like to suck all the get out. I'm surprised that the, 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 the producer wasn't able to find a way to make him. I mean, they got enough crap out there now that you can, you can almost, almost. I can say now. Exactly. Well, I wouldn't be able to well, say maybe, that. But, maybe not me, but, you know, somebody but, like me. Right. Well, I mean, you, virtually, you could take virtually anybody and put them in the studio now and make them sound awesome. Um, I don't know. I don't know what the whole situation was behind that one. Um, couldn't tell you. There's scary shit going on in this house or this cabin, whatever. That was crazy. Did you You're hear that? You're just a scaredy kid. No, 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 no. I heard something run behind me. No. That was like. No. I'm like, that was me. Stop it. You stop it. You're a scaredy kid. You're damn right I'm scared. I've seen scary movies. I don't. I know how this shit ends. I'm telling you. 
if you had I'm back. We're going to tie you up and put you in the closet. Oh, Lord have mercy. No, 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 no. Now, folks out there that's listening, I have known Michael for a long time. Mm-hmm. He's really a good guy, but he has become a coward. He's, he's afraid out here in these sticks. Hell, if yes. anybody wants a boxing rematch, now would probably be the time. That would be right. <laughs> that would be right. I wouldn't, I wouldn't even do that. I'm smart enough not to do that anymore. I'm like, forget it. I, I don't. I, I do not understand why anybody goes. You know, I, hey, I want to mark off my bucket list. I want to jump out of a plane. I want to parachute out of a plane. I'm thinking, what? What? You? I? The damn thing would have to be going down for me to want to jump out of that plane. I don't give a damn if I had on three parachutes. You ain't gonna get me out of an airplane. I'm sorry. That, that, That's one thing we 100% agree on. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, woo! Are you scared of heights? Um, no. You're not. Are you scared? But of I wouldn't heights? jump out of a plane. Oh yeah, I'm afraid of thirty-eight thousand feet in the air. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but just your average, like on the roof of a house or something, though. No. Like, could you get on one of those one of one of those uh, like buildings that have like a glass floor, and you're like no, thirty? No. Now wait a minute. That's not afraid of heights. That's called. I do realize it's everything mechanical will fail at some point in time. I'm not going to be out there in that thing when it turns loose from the building. So, so, so the, 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 how are you sitting here saying that I shouldn't be afraid? I know what the hell can happen out here. So you, that's okay. Think about it. Some boogeyman gets you out here and they ain't going to find y'all for a week. Oh no, I'm so scared. <laughs> Well, those people are right across there. And I wouldn't know how to tell them to get you. You can't find it with GPS. I'm like, wait a minute. I'm telling you, I had GPS, and even GPS said, hell no. So I don't know what to, where to tell you to go find them. That would be bad. Well, Michael, if it would help you feel better, you know, you, you took the wrong, you went to that big two-story white house right there, right? Yeah. Yes. Well, when we come up, we turned in there. We turned in their driveway because that's what GPS said. But we turned around and went back to the end of the driveway and sent a text message to say, where should we go from here? That's okay. They, they, I know them personally now. so Yeah, we, we'll just go up there and stay with them. So, um, what, where, when, when did uh, Doug's career start to decline? When did, when did, his, when did it start to happen? Well, uh, I cannot answer that because it started to decline after we were no longer together. It was. Oh, okay. So you really don't. I mean, okay. So you. But you know, from what you see, from what you see happening on the charts and going on, you know, uh, a year after we split, he didn't ever have another top ten or twenty song. So. What year did y'all split? Uh, 19, October 1994. Oh, wow. Wow. And the last song he had was Little Houses, and it went number five. Okay. That's the last song that I promoted. Okay. Okay. And then how, how long was he on a record label after that? How long what? Was he, how long did he stay on a record label after that? Um, I think he stayed on Sony about another year or so. I'm, I'm not completely sure about another year or so. Then he went to uh, Atlantic Records, and that didn't last very long. Mm-hmm. Then he went to some independent labels. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know. Uh, 
So what do you think about, you know, I'll, I'll, we'll wrap this up pretty quick, but so what do you think about the music business now and the way the whole dynamic of the business structure is whole is changed? I mean, it's, uh, you know, the way the music business is now compared to where, where it was in 1994, it's two different animals, it's two different dynamics. What do you, what do you think, what, what is your take on all of that? This is what I, I think that uh, during the years when I was managing Doug, radio was the most important thing. It's still the most important thing. Because if you do not get on the charts and have chart success, you're not going to be known. Mm-hmm. But now they have internet where you, you know you can go on and buy your albums. And, mm-hmm. and that's the big difference. I think that when... Uh, 2000K come in and the internet kicked in and you could buy product uh, it hurt the record labels mm-hmm. they're not uh, as strong as they used to be okay and do you do you you know how, how do you think about these new acts that are breaking like your Chris Stapletons and your Sturgill Simpsons and your Jason Isabels and guys like that that are that are you know they're not mainstream acts, but they are making mainstream headway. You know what? What would you think about that compared to you know the way things used to be? Chris Stapleton is a great writer, but I don't think that had any. Uh, I'm, the songs that he had on his album were great songs, but I don't think him being a great writer had anything to do with him winning the awards that he won last year. Right, right. I think that, my opinion, this is my personal opinion, I think that um, there are people out there that love country music, that want country music. And I think that he was like the Hank Williams type, outlaw type thing, maybe. Maybe that come into play, and people wanted to hear good country music. Mm-hmm. I, I agree, hundred percent. Yeah, you've got a whole base of people out there who still love that pure traditional country music. Absolutely, I would agree, hundred percent. I'm one of them. I, I, me, yeah, me too, me too, hundred percent. Um, so how I, would you? I think that uh, basically. Uh, an artist, the marketing on an artist, new artist that's coming out, would have to be where they hit radio real hard and have oh, a whole. The first album is charting, doing well on the charts, selling records, and then you're selling on the internet also, and uh, have good videos because people. We'll sit around and watch videos all day long. Mm-hmm. Wow. How would you have labeled me as a country artist? How would I label you? Yeah, how would you, how would you have described me as a country artist? Uh, I think that you would be able to uh, be like the... Let me think about this a minute. <laughs> Be sure to say the right let, let thing. Let me think if I can think, uh, of, I can think of something nice to say about it, your ass. It's hard for me to talk about you while I'm looking at you. <laughs> you, you, are, uh, you are a true country artist. I mean, you are the, what I love in country music, you are a true country artist. And people are looking for the new George Strait, Merle Haggard, Bakersfield Sound. But you're also going to have to 
tap into the young crowd and be always be sure that you have songs that appeal to women. Mm-hmm. Because they're the ones that goes out and buys records, women and young people. So what you're saying is I can't sing about Donald Trump. <laughs> oh, I love, listen, I love Donald Trump. <laughs> she didn't even know what to say. She just looked at me like, what? Wait, what? What? Okay. Um... Is there anything else that we want to add before we wrap this thing up? Because we have, uh, I think we've come to the end of it. So uh, I think I think after that, hearing that, I, I might make a comeback. Um, I'm, I'm just kidding. Well, it's like this. Trump, you know, he has all those planes and the um, 200 Marines were stranded and he sent his plane and got them and made two trips and took them where they needed to go. So if a stranded country singer is out there down low on the totem pole and needing help, well, we might be able to call Trump and have him to come pick you up. There you go. I bet you didn't know that all those fem- those those Marines were female either, did you? Beg your pardon? They were all female Marines. Did you know that? No, I didn't. Because... <laughs> I just made that up. No, I, did, I, I didn't know that. Hey, wait a minute. I was set up there. No, I didn't know that. Because the one that I seen interviewed looked like a, a male. Are you sure that was if there were female out there, they were transgenders? <laughs> oh my gosh! Um, no, I, I think that would that would be the, the I last have one word. thing to add. What's that? You have to slow that song down. Oh gosh! Now, see that that, that that that's even odd. That's weird because like the the audience is not even going to know what you're talking about. That's okay. You do. All right. Okay. Thank you very much, Phyllis Bennett. Thank you very much, Denise Bennett, for not doing anything, just nodding your head and shaking your head and all that good thing and telling me about the Costco's and uh, Noonan. And telling you. And, and what? And telling you. To- I know, right, right? And we didn't even say anything bad yet or anything like that, right? Right. Okay. Goodness gracious. Thank you, guys. Holy.